What's up, Supergirl Radio listeners? Rebecca Johnson here, and since I participated in and moderated a panel about the CW Supergirl and Sci-Fi's Krypton at this year's Atlanta Comic Con, I thought I'd share it with everyone. Joining me on the panel was friend of the podcast Michael Bailey to discuss the similarities and differences in the way both shows depict the planet Krypton. I hope you enjoy and get something out of listening to this panel. I know I did. Who knew Brainiac had a pet monkey? called it the amazing strangers from the planet krypton because that's a very famous uh a phrase associated with krypton and we're going to be talking about supergirl and krypton on sci-fi and what is similar and different about the way they portray the planet krypton because we're getting two tv shows right now that are uh that have connections to the planet krypton which is very interesting because they they have two different uh takes to them uh, so uh, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Rebecca Johnson. I am one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio. So we talk about the CW Supergirl TV series, but we also talk about Supergirl comics and things like Smallville and the animated universe. So if you'd like anything about Supergirl, you'll always find something um, on our podcast. So uh, you can find us at SupergirlRadio.com. And Michael, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Michael Bailey. Uh, I've been podcasting for about 11 years now. Uh, I have a site called FortressOfBailey2.com where you can find some of my shows like From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast which covers the post-crisis Superman world. Uh, we also I have a Batman show that I co-host called Overlooked Dark Knight. Uh, I'm also a contributor to the Superman homepage and every Tuesday night at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, you can go to Facebook and watch Steve Eunice, who has been the webmaster of that site for over 20 years now, and I talk about all the latest news of uh, in the world of Superman, movies, comics, just about everything. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I guess I'm the historical guy for this panel, really. <laughs> yes, you have a lot of uh, wealth of knowledge about all things Kryptonian. And speaking of which, um, before we get into Supergirl and uh, Krypton, let's talk about the uh, the ways that Krypton has been portrayed in the past and how we get to things like uh, Supergirl's trip to Argo City and, and Krypton on sci-fi. Yeah, Krypton's interesting in that in the first issue of Action Comics in 1938, it wasn't even named. Uh, it was just showed the rocket escaping a doomed planet. There was a little bit more information a year later in Superman number one. Uh, and, but you wouldn't actually see Krypton in the comics until 1945 with the first appearance of Superboy. Uh, the first time they ever actually went through the origin was in the comic strip from 1939. The first set of serials was all about Car uh, jor and La Laura with an O. Jor-El, L was just L, no E. Uh, the in adapted material, though, the very first episode of the Superman radio show from 1941 featured... Basically, Jor-El going before the Science Council, being laughed out of the room, him and Laura discussing, you know, what they're going to do. Uh, in the early things, it's always kind of funny because Jor-El's like, well, get in the ship. She's like, you know, we really might want to send the kid. Oh, that's a better idea. Let's send the kid. <laughs> uh, and rockets off. And that script was basically used again and again. It was used in the with a few tweaks here and there. In the 1948 serial, the first chapter basically adapted that. In the 1953 Adventures of Superman uh, television series, the first uh, aired episode had a, an adaptation of that. And basically what you had in, in the live action was guys wearing Flash Gordon outfits. And when I say that, I mean literally wearing outfits from the Flash Gordon serials and such because they reused everything. 
And until 1978, that was Krypton. Krypton was this kind of Buck Rogers uh, world, uh, you know, and you, you saw two rooms. You saw the council room and Joel and Laura and where they rocket the kid off from. That was it. Uh, and ironically, that's all you really see in 1978. But with Superman the movie, they had a much broader canvas to work with. And something that we're going to be talking about was first established there. Uh, in addition to having everything being crystalline, uh, it was per, uh, designed by uh, John Barry, who designed Star Wars the year before. Uh, you had all of the members of the council wearing symbols, and Jor-El wore the S symbol. And the legend behind that is Marlon Brando wanted to wear the S symbol. So <laughs> they, they basically gave everybody a, a different symbol to wear and everyone wore white, and it was crystal, and for another 30 years, that was Krypton. On the Superboy television series from the late 80s, you had uh, George Lazenby and Britt Eklund, uh, a former Bond, a former Bond girl, uh, playing Jor-El and Laura. They turned out to not be, uh, and that whole thing went away with time travel. Uh, but, and on Lois and Clark, David Warner, uh, played Jor-El in, the, in a first season episode which makes me laugh whenever I watch that George C. Scott Scrooge movie now because he's Bob Cratchit and Susanna York is, is his wife huh. so it's a different Jor-El and Laura uh, different being dynamic. a couple yeah. but really until Man of Steel that was Krypton uh, except for the animated series which was more like the comics and it's kind of, it always kind of fascinates me that we're, we live in this that these things were so like the 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 Christopher Reeve movie. The first one was so trendsetting that no one wanted to touch it. Even Smallville did the crystals and everyone wearing white uh, and having British actors play you know the, the Kryptonians. Even the creation of the fortress. Yeah, was, was him scary. throwing yeah, the the crystal, uh, you know, or whatever the the diamond thing. Uh, poor Chloe. <laughs> and I say that both in the show and out of the show sure, now. Sure, sure. Um, but Krypton, up until these recent shows, has always been there to blow up. That's, that's basically it. Uh, Man of Steel spent about as much time on Krypton as Superman the movie did. So it's not like they, were bra- they, they just did it with a different canvas. But it's all. But it, it seems like, uh, except for Smallville, which whenever they went back to Krypton, everyone was a jerk. So it's just like, okay, we don't even want to be there. But now with Supergirl and an entire series about Krypton, things have really changed, and it kind of excites me because it seems like they're digging more into the various versions that have been in the comics. Yeah, uh, to, to get there. In the comics, uh, I found that there's a lot of even variations there as well. Uh, very futuristic takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in Krypton were uh, very uh, good at science, and so they had all this advanced technology, and so you, you see some of that on, on these different interpretations. So let's start talking about Supergirl, if that's okay. Okay. Um, so uh, is anybody watching Supergirl here? Go, good, nice, all right. So you're all familiar with the fact that we got to uh, go back and visit Argo City. We found out, oh, there's a portion of Krypton that is still in existence. Um, So Argo City is uh, very traditionally associated with Supergirl, so that was really cool to see. Um, So, Michael, what did did you think about getting to go and and spend time on Argo City? I was excited because uh, in in the comics it was the the portion that just blew off. Zor-El had created this dome that protected them. They brought that over. And, you know, when they hopped into John's uh, super cool car and flew <laughs> off into space, uh, I, was, I was just like, are they going to Argo? Because I don't pay attention to, like, you know, this is coming up or that's coming up. You know, I, I knew that. Um, why am I blanking on Lois Lane's name? Uh, Alora. Alora. Yeah, she'd been recast this season. And I was just like, I know that she was in and out, and usually just kind of standing there not saying anything. Uh, probably an easy gig for her at that point. <laughs> but when they flew towards the city, I looked at my wife, I went, they're going to Argo. And she's, what? what's Argo? So then I have to explain what Argo is. And as I've learned from my wife, there are things that I accept as perfectly normal that when you tell this to somebody that's not familiar with it, seems crazy. But uh, no, I, I, I was I was 
I was kind of excited that they now have this new playground with the show that actually more reflects the comics. Yeah, it, the wide shot of Argo City as they're, they're flying in looked very much like a page of uh, Supergirl Rebirth. Mm-hmm. It looked very comic book correct. And what I was laughing about was uh, in Supergirl the movie, I don't know if y'all have seen that as well, they spend some time in Argo City. And it's a very kind of hippy-dippy kind of culture, very slack on what they wear. And um, it seems like everybody's real chill. And they kind of took a, bo- a page out of that book where... Uh, the clothing was a little more relaxed. It, you know, everybody seemed like they got along on Argo City. Seemed very united. They had some futuristic buildings, I thought. Yes. Um, compared to the little marketplace that we saw uh, Monel and Carr walk around in, so it was neat to see how they depicted uh, the, the city and the clothing. And they even talked about the the Daressa plant that that Kara had that was supposed to grow as she grew. So it was neat to see some of that Kryptonian stuff that was there on Argo City. Yeah, Ar- Argo in the Supergirl movie, like you said, is kind of like the hippie commune. Uh, <laughs> I-, I just expected that if Zoltar hadn't lost the Omega Headroom, he would he would have become like the Charles Manson of the mm-hmm. uh, of the city. Uh, but like. there was also some like little neat comic book things. Her friend Thara yeah. was a character uh, back in 2008. They did the storyline called New Krypton, where suddenly Kandor and Argo are not only back to normal size, but there is this entire other planet in the solar system full of Kryptonians. Uh, and Thara was Supergirl's childhood friend who in the comics became the new Flamebird. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Nightwing and Flamebird. And the what I liked about it, one, was that there was something sinister going on, which I kind of... The, the In Supergirl in general this season, the back half, and we were talking about this before the panel, I think the back half felt completely different from the front half to the point where during the first part of the season I could kind of guess where everything was going and suddenly I couldn't anymore. So when you suddenly had Argo and you had Selena and you had this whole other side to the city, I was just kind of like, okay, this, this, this is surprising me and that was a nice feeling to have. Uh, I liked how the city was set up too. That there, that these people, there, there's like a happiness. Everyone's kind of getting along, but there's also this kind of undercurrent of, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and and I kind of it's like so. It seemed like their hold on life was stronger because of that, because they know of how many people they lost during Argo even being separated from Krypton. Right. Uh, but the um, on Supergirl, Krypton is kind of a mix of everything. Uh, the fortress is very much the Crystal Fortress, uh, though I did like that they have the statue of Jor-El and Laura, uh, which was a mainstay in the comics, which they had never really done live action before. And that also appears uh, sort of on, Krypt- on yeah. Sci-Fi's Krypton in, in that fortress as well. And uh, yeah, but theirs is real. <laughs> <laughs> theirs isn't CGI, um, but. You know, it seemed like the first couple seasons were just trying to kind of borrow from the 78 movie, but now it seems like they're kind of stretching out into their to their own thing. And, and her Krypton in the flashbacks was always kind of the futuristic, yeah. sunny oh, yeah. and bright, uh, which different from Man of Steel. So it's like everybody who now gets their hands on Krypton wants to play with it, Yeah, which I'm kind of fascinated with. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned the, the dark undercurrent on Argo City because you had the get introduced to Kryptonian witches this season on Supergirl which was very exciting uh, I, I'm hoping that one day we'll get a Kryptonian werewolf because that happened in the comics um, so that was really neat we got to see uh, a, a Kryptonian like high council on Argo mm-hmm. with Selena and Allura and so that that was something that they incorporated because there's always a, a some sort of council on Krypton, so it was neat to see that Selena actually had some sort of connection to what was going on on Earth. So mm-hmm. Earth and Argo had a connection to the World Killers and what was going on there. So, um, just really quickly, uh, what did you think about the uh, World Killers and the mythology behind that? Because that was that was something that was in the New Fifty Two Supergirl comics, but it, they did it, did it a little bit differently. Yeah, Rain in the comics was just like your just your typical global killing bad guy where because this is a 22 episode season you know you, you kind of want to develop that beyond just you know I'm I, I'm the biggest one I'm going to kill you I was designed on Krypton and I'm here to destroy everything whereas we got the whole background with Ruby and 
how she was Kryptonian, but wasn't Kryptonian, or, you know, they sent this thing off, and the, the thing that I was confused about, did it fuse with her, or is that her? Yeah, well, uh, that was kind of an interesting take because it seemed like everything was happening in Sam's brain. Yeah. Uh, and so that it was like a parallel dimension that was going on inside of her brain um, where you had the Valley of Juru in there mm-hmm. with the Fountain of Lilith and all these locations that were happening in this other dimension. So I think she was half human and half... Well, she was Kryptonian, but then she developed a human persona. And then they messed with her DNA and then got rid of the Kryptonian stuff. So it was all very confusing. Yeah. But no, I, I, I liked that they, they developed other world killers. Uh, the whole witches thing uh, didn't... It's not like it bothered me, but I'm just like, oh, of course she's a girl. Her bad guy's going to be a witch because <laughs> that's what girls fight is witches, right? That's, that, that's all y'all are into. Um, though, if they do have Kryptonian werewolves, would he be Jay Cobb? Uh, I'm thinking of oh gosh, what is what is his name? So then you have a vampire the, Kryptonian the werewolf, the Edward. In the in the in the Rebirth comics, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. I love him so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the the witches though I liked because they gave this whole mythology about the fact that the, there was this mention in the Book of Rao. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk about the Book of Rao and the children of Rao. They developed a whole cult that was going on worshiping Supergirl. So there was a lot of uh, Kryptonian mythology that they introduced through the witches. Um, I, I was confused, though, as why they never uh, explored the fact that Kryptonians have a problem with magic. I thought that would have been something they would have talked about. Well, and the whole Rao thing becoming such a big deal this, this year was also interesting because Rao, for the longest time, was just something that was in the comics, but it was never, and there was like a cult at one point, but it was never really a thing. The, the, the from the 60s up until 1986, the, the Krypton as it Rao was very much a take on Old and New Testament stuff. The, the man that came up with most of this, E. Nelson Bridwell, in addition to knowing everything about Superman, was also a biblical scholar and knew poetry and all that. So there was Rao, who was the sun god, and then there was a, 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 an opposite with the moon and all that. So... And you hear mentions of it, like, on various shows, but Supergirl's the first one to kind of take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and actually say there was this whole religion, like it was an actual religion, and it allowed them to talk about cults uh, this season. Uh, I I don't know if anybody noticed. There was a lot of uh, sociopolitical commentary. Uh, Uh, How could you not notice? It was pretty blatant. But... You know, in seeing how somebody could take their religion and, and turn it dark, and then you have, you know, just like any kind of fantasy realm, you have, like, you know, there's this dark portion to it, and somebody's going to uh, monopolize on that. And I, I liked it because I felt, unlike other seasons that dealt with Krypton, that they were actually giving me a meal. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I, I was like the writer sat down and actually figured this all out and actually gave us a mythology to work from instead of just throwing Rao out there as an Easter egg, like for the comics people to go, Hey, I know that. Yeah. No, uh, Kara prayed a couple mm-hmm. of times. They've, they've talked about Kryptonian funerals and, and that's really interesting because they're like in the air mm-hmm. with, uh, uh, yeah, with those funerals. But, uh, yeah, I actually liked the exploration into the Rao faith and how it can be twisted and, and taken advantage of by somebody who's who's wanting to uh, take over the world and use it for their ends. And they talked a lot about justice and their, mm-hmm. their, their version of justice and how that differed from Supergirl based on their, their faith and their religion. And that's something that um, uh, Krypton talks a lot about as well. There's a lot of talk about Raoism and they have the voice of Rao, which I also thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. That I was... I was very much into that because the the different faces on his mask represent all the different gods. They I, I forget which all they, they were. Uh, they mentioned Yuda, mm-hmm. which was a commonality between Supergirl and Krypton, where um, the god Yuda was mentioned. Synthona, I think, was another one. 
Um, so that, that was an interesting part of Krypton for me was how the, the differences in the way they depicted the Raoism and the faith of the characters from Krypton. Well, Krypton, because it's a whole show about Krypton, you have to do the deep dive. Uh, I was a little worried when they first announced Krypton since it was a sci-fi show that it's like, oh, it's going to be your typical sci-fi, science fiction, alien show, but there's going to be like a coat of Superman paint on it. <laughs> uh, but no, they they dug deep. They looked at all different versions of Krypton, uh, and they brought in the kind of cast system that was established in the comics in 2008 where you had different houses. Uh, that first episode where... Uh, the the L family is stricken and, and, and their symbol erased. I was just like, wow, this is actually, this is interesting because, you know, I, as I said to a lot of people, Krypton's there to blow up. I mean, it's it's kind of the important part. And there was a, a script rule, uh, floating around by J.J. Abrams in the early 2000s before Superman Returns happened where Krypton wasn't going to blow up. And at the end of the first movie, he was going to go back there and fight a civil war because of Naboo and stuff. Uh, but it, it's the, the show, as I watched it progress, and that they all had different symbols, and how there were the, like it, was, it became a theocracy, so oh, it's something yeah, to actually yeah. fight against, and you have a class struggle. And all of that, combined with the fact that Brainiac's coming, I'm like, wow, they're actually trying to make this an actual television series instead of, a sci-fi show that'll last three seasons before they cancel it. I mean, thank God it's not on Fox because it would have been canceled after <laughs> uh, six yeah, episodes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, I, I kind of liked... The thing I liked about the episodes of Krypton that I've been able to watch is it's there are things there that you can relate to, but it's still a very alien world. But it's also like this is what happens when a very strict version of a religion takes over. Uh, and I, I know Brainiac ends up being the big bad, but when you really think about it, the, the bad guy in this is the people that took Rao and basically instead of using it as something to bring people together, they used it as something to control people with. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's super scary the way they do it on Krypton too, um, because... Uh, the reveal that Brainiac actually is the voice of, like he's taken over the uh, the voice of Rao and sort of that becomes the agent of Brainiac. It's really scary because he manipulates a little girl. Mm-hmm. He, he he manipulates a little girl into being this thing that he can he can use for his end. And it's it's another comparison actually between that and Supergirl, where they have the Rao faith that gets dis- distorted and and uh, manipulated into something terrible. But. With all the other things in Krypton, I was I was impressed that they were able to get a Fortress of Solitude in there, oh, even yeah. though it was on Krypton and not on Earth, and you had the statues, and you had the ghost ghost dad or ghost granddad. <laughs> yeah, a, pro- uh, a, proje- uh, like a projection. Like a hologram, and uh, the uh, Phantom Zone projector mm-hmm. was in there. Mm-hmm. But, and the neat thing is, uh, how many people here have watched Krypton? Okay. Everyone should watch it. It's yeah. fantastic. So, most, uh, most of the sets are practical. Uh, I, I, I knew some people who took a set visit, and those statues are real. Everything on there, like the backgrounds might be a little computer animated, but they really went all out to make and I, to make it feel, uh, to make it real. And I think it shows on the screen because I, this, this, this has to do with what I'm talking about, I, I swear. But the more I watch, like, superhero movies these days is that you have this really great like two two acts and then you get to the third act and it's just CGI characters punching each other uh, and there's usually a blue beam in the sky uh, and to me I, the more I see that and the more sophisticated it gets the more it takes me out of the story and then I realize I'm not watching Superman fight Steppenwolf I'm watching CGI Henry Cavill fight another CGI character so with Krypton even though there is computer generated uh, special effects when he's in the fortress I'm like he's somewhere he's not with a green screen around him and a green table and a green thing so that they can just make everything um, uh, computer generated and I understand on Supergirl that's a practical thing because they can't afford to build sets like that every week because you know it's, it's why TV shows if you ever notice TV shows usually have like five sets it's because it's cheaper to do, do yeah. it that way 
Um, it's actually why The Incredible Hulk was eventually uh, canceled back in the 80s is because there was no set set. Uh, but uh, I, I love that you have this world that is very closely associated with Superman, but I don't want it to blow up yet. I don't want to get there. I want to see where these where these characters go, and I, I I think that is the best kind of thing you can do with a show like this because it's like Gotham. Gotham's another good example. Do we really want to see Bruce Wayne grow up? Well, apparently some people do. So, you know, the, the to a lot of people, the exciting thing is is when Superman puts on the costume. Uh, they don't care about where he came from. It's important. But it's only important because it's the first act of the movie. And now, because we live in a world where superhero shows and movies and everything are ubiquitous, we've got people going, you know, let's, let's dive into this. And, and let's, let's have not only different houses, the House of Zod and the House of El, give them their own symbols and have that there be this whole class structure and have this whole underclass of, of basically the serfs living on the bottom. Meanwhile, on top, it's all magnificent. And, you know, I, I, I love uh, when, when watching the first two episodes that every once in a while, you know, would just show you where you were and what house it was. And I'm like, well, I'm really appreciative that you did that because I'd be kind of lost pretty quick. Yeah, and they did it all in uh, Kryptonese, which I enjoy, all the, the alien language. Um, and you talked about uh, practical sets on Krypton. Even though they don't have as many on Supergirl, they do put a lot of effort into props. Mm -hmm. They had, especially when they went to Argo City and they had all of that Kryptonese on walls and in uh, books and journals. That was stuff that I really ate up. Even the, the sword that Rain had there at the end, that's taken from the New 52. They, they created that to mimic that. So they at least uh, try to do something practical with all of their props and, and the things that they put in the scenes. Yeah, the current Kryptonese that you see, except for Man of Steel, uh, like on Smallville and on, on the different shows you have now, uh, is from the comics about the early 2000s. They developed it, and it's an A for A letter. So this symbol means A, this symbol means B. Uh, the gentleman I mentioned before, E. Nelson Bridwell, actually created a Kryptonian language in the 60s. Yeah, and it's separate from that, yeah, that it, Kryptonese. It's, it's completely yeah. separate, and it has structure and he like really I don't think he went as I don't think he went full Tolkien but he uh, he so that's the kind of, but when you saw Kryptonese in the comics after that there was a language there that you could follow if you had the key uh, I was annoyed a couple years ago when they brought Supergirl back there's pages all written in Kryptonese and I don't want to do homework oh I do I, do. I love it okay. Yeah, shout out to Superman homepage. You can actually find the Kryptonese key on uh, the Superman homepage and decipher all of that yourself if you want to. It's actually pretty easy um, once, you, once you have the key. Um, but it was frustrating for me watching Krypton because I love the Kryptonese so much. The robes that the voice of Rao and all of his people wear, I just, I could never get a good shot to see what was on the robe. Like, I want to know what it, I don't know if anybody knows what his robe says. But that was something I wanted and, to know. And they did something different on the show as well, uh, whereas mostly they have it like written out as a word. Mm -hmm. Like if you look over the bar, it's the word. I, I think something. I think it says beer or something like that. But it's blocked. It's not all written out like that. So yeah. some of the things that you have to look for, you have to kind of do more deciphering <laughs> to basically figure out what it says. Yeah. But it's just. Krypton as a TV show is something that shouldn't have worked, and yet to me is probably one of the best things they've done in a really long time uh, as far as DC television. And it's nothing against The Flash. It's nothing against uh, Legends of Tomorrow or, or Supergirl or Arrow. But after a while, it's a bunch of guy, you know, like you have your home team, there's mm -hmm. a tech guy, right. you know, he's going to be the, the nerd, and you got the fighter, and you're going to go out, you're going to do this and do that, you have your plots, and that's your series, whereas with Krypton, it's, uh, you know, a, a story of a revolution, it's a story of an alien invasion on an alien world, it is the best live action, one of the, for, not the first live action Brainiac, but I think any movie that comes afterwards is going to have a really tough time beating it because it looked so good yeah. and, the, and the way he was able they were able to present that 
and the blinking black eyes and all that. It wasn't James Marston in a leather jacket with tendrils coming out of his fingers. And he's really scary. And uh, when when I watch these two TV shows, I try not to compare them because they are a little different, but you've got Brainiac on Krypton, and then on Supergirl you have Brainiac 5, Mm -hmm. which is completely different, even though they're supposed to be sort of descendants of each other. Um, But Brainiac 5 is a Kaluan, so he looks a little bluer. Um, so it is, it is a different take when you go from Krypton to Supergirl with the Brainiacs. I, 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 I will say the first time I saw the makeup for the Brainiac 5 on the Supergirl th- show, I kept thinking, your kids, Marty, we got to do something about <laughs> he, he your kids. Look, he does look a little like Doc Brown. <laughs> but that actually works because Doc Brown was a time traveler too. Right. Uh, Brainiac, Brainiac on Krypton, though, I, I think it's kind of interesting... Because I'm, I'm, I haven't watched the entire thing. Is is he a time traveler, or is that the Brainiac of that time? It, from from what I understand, uh, Brainiac, when Adam Strange comes back and says, "Hey, this is I'm from, I'm from the past, and I'm I'm coming to stop this from happening," it it actually always happened. It was a thing that Brainiac had always done. Okay. But Adam Strange got it sort of wrong a little bit. Okay. So uh, this is this is the present day invasion. Okay, so the, so this isn't the Brainiac of the future coming back to destroy the L no. bloodline. The, I think this is a Brainiac who just wants to collect the world. Okay. It just so happens to affect Superman. Yeah, Brainiac was first introduced in Action Comics 242, and it's kind of, a, it's, it's interesting that 10 issues later, Supergirl, Supergirl. Uh, made her first appearance. And at first he, he was just an alien that liked to collect worlds, and he had a little white monkey. Uh, yes. <laughs> what, what did the monkey do? It was just his little pet. Oh, okay. It, it, well. it, 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 if you ever read the uh, Alex Ross series Justice, the monkey is in there okay. uh, with the Brainiac that he does. And eventually he became this artificial life form that wanted to collect worlds. And he was one of Superman's worst enemies because he had n- supposedly no emotion. And he was just determined to just do continue his mission of collecting these uh, these bottled cities and in 1983 they revamped him to be the robot brainiac if you are familiar with the superpowers line of toys and brainiacs and android basically that looks like the the terminator robot uh, that is when they changed him they removed all living vestiges he was just a machine uh, and then when the crisis happened and they uh, redid everything, Brainiac was an alien from Kalu that took over the body of this man named Milton Fine oh, and right. eventually turned him into Brainiac. Which is how Smallville uh, yes. kind of went about it. And uh, then in 2000, they did a story, uh, 1999, they did a story called Y2K, uh, because of course they did, because <laughs> that was on everyone's mind. And a Brainiac from the future, Brainiac 13, comes to the past and unleashes this virus on Metropolis. And at the end of it, Metropolis is literally a city of the future. There's flying cars, there's monorails everywhere. And that stuck around uh, until about 2004. And then in 2008, Jeff Johns brought Brainiac back and did what I call the Jeff Johns special, which means... It all happened. Mm. So every version of Brainiac existed at one point, but they were all ciphers that came before the real Brainiac. So the Brainiac we see on Krypton is more like the quote-unquote real Brainiac of that storyline. Yeah, I think they nailed his look, uh, the the green and even the robot suit he has there at the end. Um, and he's, he's so creepy the way he talks. Um, and the, the tendrils, you know, I think you mentioned, where mm-hmm. he, he can shoot stuff out and control technology. Very, very interesting. And actually, between these two shows, Supergirl and Krypton, we've gotten a lot of Brainiacs. We've mm-hmm. got Brainiac on Krypton, then we have Brainiac 5, and then we got Indigo yes. on Supergirl, who is actually Brainiac 8, who is a little bit different. And then we had a mention on Supergirl of the evil one, which uh, mm-hmm. Brainiac 5 mentions uh, about actual Brainiac. So we've, we've gotten a lot of takes on the Brainiacs. They could have done that makeup on Indigo a little bit better. I mean, <laughs> it, it could have used a little work. But she did some great hand acting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Indigo on Supergirl, her fingernails, she was working those fingernails. So uh, great hand acting all around. Yeah. In the comics, when she was introduced, she was a member of the Outsiders. 
and about two years into the Outsiders, and at that time the Teen Titans, it was revealed that Superboy was going to be a traitor, and then Indigo became the traitor, and it was this huge storyline between the two books where they were basically trying to kill everybody. <laughs> that, that's, that sounds about right. Um, uh, so let's let's think about the similarities uh, or even some of the differences. So we've got uh, Argo City on Supergirl. It's a little brighter. It's mm-hmm. a little more, uh, a little bit more futuristic. But then on Krypton, it's a little. I don't want to say darker because everybody uses that word and it annoys me. Um, it's a little. Uh, Muted. Gr- grimmer and sort of uh, really muted is a good word. Um, it's it's a little more, uh, I don't want to say realistic, but it's grittier. Grittier is the word I'm looking for. And, and all the, the different, the rankless people there kind of living in uh, slums a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the difference between a life pod uh, where everything has to be clean because otherwise you're going to die and an actual planet where people live. And, right. and, and I like the fact that the alleyways feel kind of dirty uh i think there was you know for for decades whenever there was like a an alien planet it was gleaming and everything looked new and star wars kind of developed the kind of lived in universe uh effect where everything didn't look new it looked like it had been used so when you see the slums of krypton uh which i think is going to be a reality show next year as well (laughs) uh you got a sense that people lived here and it wasn't very nice. I mean, the, the little girl being sick in the second episode, I believe, or and with the, the, the whole dynamic there, it's just like there, there, are, there are stakes here. These are people yeah. that are living in, in terrible conditions. Meanwhile, on high, where everything is clean, you know, it's, it's the beautiful people living the elite lifestyle. And I really, again, it was something like this is transcending the show from just being your average kind of let's throw this out there get a couple trade paperbacks sold get some merchandise uh moved and and so on to something that everybody started out as we don't need this to when's the next season yeah yeah so i yeah i definitely like that take where uh things are hard on krypton Mm -hmm. it's not an easy easy thing for these people and the 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 rankless versus the elite is a, a really strong part of the the season um I guess one thing we could talk about with uh, Supergirl is that we we sort of mentioned her, but we got to meet Allura, mm-hmm. who was uh, Kara's mother, and that's a that's a huge big deal for uh, Supergirl to find out that she has uh, family and uh, that they're still alive because she thought that they had all died, that her culture had died, and everything with Krypton is is gone, and here she finds out that her mother is alive. Um, so, what did you think about this take on Allura? Even though she we've seen sort of seen her on Supergirl as a hologram because mm-hmm. holograms are uh, what, what they use for all of the no longer living space people. mom yes uh, so uh, we actually got to spend time with uh, some of Allura on, on Argo City the, I was glad that we that they did this because one of the things about when they brought Kara back in the comics back in 2004 uh, is they really kind of focused on the fact that she had lived like 12, 16 years on Krypton and then was sent off. Uh, And so she remembers Krypton, where Superman doesn't remember Krypton. He doesn't have any, like, full memories because he was sent away so young. So I was glad that they brought that in and and made, made casting the woman they had. I can't believe I'm still forgetting her name. She was on Smallville for, like, six years. Erica Durant, thank you. I'm going to have to give my card back after this <laughs> this whole thing's over. But no, uh, that she wasn't just the hologram, that she wasn't just, especially in the early part of the season where she was just the woman standing in the cornfield, basically. Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't a cornfield, but it's, for some reason, whenever I think some, of that. Some that, kind of field. Uh, whereas she was a vital character, and it showed off, one, that Erica Durant actually has a really good range as an actress. Uh, I watched the medicine show she did in Canada, uh, because they showed it on Ion, and it was associated with Superman, because she was in it, as was Hawkman from Smallville. Uh, but to see her, to see that Supergirl has something to go back to, I think uh, makes her further separates her from Superman. Uh, it would have been nice 
to have an email sent to Clark. Because she could have texted by, him or something. By the way, Anna Laura is still alive. You can actually meet other Kryptonians besides me, but uh, you're in Madagascar, so I guess you're busy right now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if you get lost down the what's Superman doing now hole, you will never get out of it. It's a black hole with no discernible event horizon. You're just in it and stuck. Yeah. So, but no, I, I, I liked that they brought in Thara and that they brought in Alora. It was sad that Zorel. He never had, gets any love, had, and if he does get some mentions, he's like an evil. He's evil either evil or scientist. he's dead. Yep. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, if, if you're since Supergirl focuses on the female mm-hmm. because it's a female lead, it makes sense that he wouldn't be a part of it. That it right. would be more about the mother because everything with Superman is about the father. Right. You know, the only reason Susanna York was in Superman 2 was because Marlon Brando wanted more money. <laughs> so she, she wouldn't have been the one to have the talk with. So, and in Lois and Clark, she was just silent. She didn't have any dialogue in the one scene that she was in. It was all narration by David Warner, which, frankly, is all you need because it's David Warner and he has an amazing voice. But Laura is usually the character uh, that is most ignored in Superman's mythos. So if we're going to flip that script, then yeah, let's focus on Alora and not... I mean, I, I have a problem that Kryptonian society says, okay, if you're male, you have the last name. If you're female, you have your father's name as your last name, yeah. which is just feels like kind of like an unenlightened society, even though it's futuristic. But... <laughs> You know, Zorel is always Kara's Zorel's name is mentioned in every episode, so it's not like he's forgotten. But I'm glad that they're just focusing on Alora because then you can just strengthen that relationship. And I'm kind of hoping that in the next season, they devote some time into having how Eliza feels about this. Oh yeah. And because uh, you know they did a scene together in the flashback episode, but it, it was John. <laughs> but at the same time. You know, it would be kind of interesting to see that dynamic of the adopted mother meeting. I mean, I'm sure they, I doubt they would argue. Uh, if they did, it would last just the episode, and at the end they would be friends, because this is a Smallville where they would stretch it out half a season. Right. Um, but it, it's just the fact that Alora not only got to have screen time, but actually got to be part of the resistance at the end. I was happy with every decision they made, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see Alora coming to Earth using heat vision yeah. and, and fighting alongside them. She picked it up pretty quickly. It, it, it was neat the way they did it. It's where she looks like she's studying Kara. Yeah. Like, how is she shooting those laser beams out of her eyes? How can I do that? So, yeah, it was, it was cool to see her do that. But I, I like that even though... They're the last of Kryptonian society. The fact that Monel was a Daxamite didn't make a difference. Like no one cared. The, it's like our, our our planet's gone. We're not going to argue about an old rivalry from you know before that happened. So I, I I think that with everything that they established, my worry is that now if you get a new showrunner or you get a new direction, that all of that is just going to be forgotten. Like they did all this work and now it's just not a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kara can still use Jean's space car to go uh, take weekend trips to Argo City and hang out. They need to call that thing the Great Space Coaster. Yeah, it it, need, it really needs a name. It's the got bio a... ship, like in Young Justice, that's what Ms. Martian. What's ship, it? What's it called? Uh, the bio ship. Bio ship. That's, that's a Martian cool name. Ship, so. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with that. It is now henceforth <laughs> the bio ship on Supergirl. It has a sweet Britney Spears playlist on there, so uh, it's a pretty pretty cool car. And I guess we could talk a little bit about the family situation on Krypton because bloodlines mm-hmm. are a really big deal. They they do a lot of cutting of their hands on Krypton, which really wigs me out. I'm like, do you really have to cut your hand every time you have to get into a door? It, it's very it, it's uh, it's tough for me. Uh, but they have a lot of uh, emphasis on family and family lineage and the the houses and all of that. Um, uh, so there's there's a huge emphasis on Sag's grandfather. He plays a big uh, another hologram on the show. So uh, do you have any thoughts on the, the family lineage there? I like it in terms of I'm a mark for stories of class structure, uh, mainly because I will always support the underdogs and the you know the overlords make me mad. So you know if you can give me a good dynamic with that, I'll enjoy it. 
I, I think it's it's an interesting way to go with it because Krypton was developed by David Goyer, who wrote Man of Steel. And so when we first heard that, we assumed that basically everything from Man of Steel would just be kind of ported over, and that's not the case. And the way I have it in my head, because headcanon is a thing, is that basically the Krypton we see in Man of Steel is that society going completely wrong. Like, if Seg... And it, you know, if we get to a point where everything's great, we know that it's going to go south at some point. Yeah. But when you looked at Man of Steel, there, you know, the people sitting on those thrones were, you know, they were arrogant. Uh, they had depleted all their planet's resources because they didn't know what else to do. And you had Zod come in and say, "We need to change this." And you had also a very genetic imperative to do your job. Like, Zod was bred, literally bred, to be a warrior, which is why I'm a little confused why Jor-El was able to throw bows like he Look, did. Look, he, he practiced, yeah, just, he went to the gym, he was able to fight him. Took a Taibo course, it was great. <laughs> it was uh, but with Krypton, we're seeing the society before that society, I think. Where, you ha- where the whole idea that this sign and this house is better than this house is all immaterial there is no physical reason for it to happen it's just how everyone goes and it's like more of a sociological problem than a technological problem uh which i also like i mean it's 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 interesting because all the the babies in krypton are conceived by science but they still have physical relationships uh, too, which I thought was interesting. Uh, you know, especially Seg and 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 the the Zod, the the woman, the Zod uh, woman. Yeah, Nissa. Or, Nissa. Uh, or Nissa. Are you talking about Nissa or Lyda? Uh, are you talking about the Zod? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Lyda. Lyda. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like that they just do that for fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that you talking about Man of Steel? They retained a lot of Man of Steel huh. stuff with the Genesis Chamber yeah. and the Codex. Um, they even mentioned Black Zero, which mm-hmm. is more of a terrorist organization um, on Krypton, which is, we find out, is uh, the leader's Jack Zor, mm-hmm. which was a different uh, take. I was surprised she was a woman. I was surprised about that. I was like, well, all right, let's go with this. Uh, so that was a, an interesting take on it um, to, to see uh, all of that. And the, the Genesis Chamber ends up playing a big part at the end of the season. So they, they do some cool stuff about incorporating some of that Man of Steel stuff that was introduced in the movie into the show. And, and that only makes sense. I mean, if you have all of that there and you have it established and you have an audience that might be familiar with that version, the, the thing that I want as a comic book fan is I want my comic book shows to reflect the comics. But realistically, I understand that... You know, Avengers didn't make a billion dollars because a couple thousand comic book fans went to see it again and again and again and again. It made a billion dollars because everybody went to see it. So with a TV show, you're casting a much wider net. So it makes sense that, well, what are people familiar with Krypton? Well, more recently, it would be Man of Steel and David Goyer developed the show. So you put those two things together, it makes sense that they would go in that. And now I'm kind of interested is if this is going to be the Krypton we see more often now than not, like it was in the from the 40s to the 70s and the 70s to the 2000s, where you know you have like this this one well that everyone keeps going back to. Yeah, I, I really liked what they did with the Zods on Krypton. Um, they they took a lot of care with the L family that and they called it House L, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting because it's not the House of L, mm-hmm. it's just House L and House Zod. Um, but the Zods, I, I thought, were really, uh, really well done because you sort of felt for them a little bit between the mother and daughter relationship there and how the general comes into the picture because uh, uh, there's a good twist with him. Uh, so I really liked the way that they incorporated the families and the lineage and um, how that played into the overall Kryptonian uh, class structure that you were talking about. And on a pure fan level, you get all these different symbols, and you get all these different things that you can get into in ephemera. Uh, I, I think the the thing about just not only that's a, that fandom has moved on to different things, but you know, when I was a kid, I was kind of obsessed with the different symbols in this in Superman the movie. It's just like, is that an eye? 
Is that a V? What is that supposed to be? And now we, you know, they don't have it so much that you know House Zod isn't a stylized Z. It's 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 something else completely different. But you can still. I, I am surprised that the show has not gotten like people wearing glyphs and putting glyphs on their social media pages and stuff like that. But I guess most people's social media is like you know they have an attention span of a ferret on a double espresso. <laughs> so it's it's not like they're you know they're just moving on to the next thing anyways. But still, it, you can see the care that went into it, and I think that's one of my biggest takeaways from all of these shows is that you have people behind them that have some love of the source material so they're going to incorporate stuff and it's not just for the the fans to sit there and go oh i know that it's actually something important into the show yeah and they're adding to the mythology Mm -hmm. and to bring it around to supergirl and talking about the symbols uh, Rain had her own mm-hmm. symbol that was incorporated into her costume, and all the world killers had uh, a Kryptonian glyph, if you will. And even uh, when they went to Fort Roz, which also got a mention on Krypton, which made me very happy, um, uh, Jen DeCall Roz, who Fort Roz is named after, she had a world killer symbol on. So they, they introduced that glyph as sort I don't know if that was a house, but it was the world killer symbol to, to symbolize who they were. I guess that was a, the children of Rao. Um, symbol that was on all of their clothing and attire. Yeah, it makes sense that the, they would want their own house symbol because they consider themselves a new house. Even though it might not be officially recognized, they still wear it. Yeah, they felt ostracized mm-hmm. from the rest of the, the Kryptonian community, so yeah, it would sort of make but sense. But were they, were they really, or were they just wanting to be different? Maybe. I mean, they were doing some pretty shady things, so maybe uh, they, they got kicked out of a few places. Uh, but, they weren't real friendly with other people. I'm curious, though, if there were, uh, like, teenagers on Krypton that would rebel by being, like, Kryptonian goths and dressing... <laughs> dressing creating like, their own glyphs. Yeah, creating their own glyphs and wearing, like, black eye makeup and listening to The Cure and Morrissey and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Speaking of the glyphs, I did a little research while you were talking. The uh, glyphs on the voice of Rao's robes are the... Uh, the Geneva Bible version of Malachi 3. Oh, that's cool. Second coming and a messenger coming to bring that word and that kind of thing. I'm so, I, lo- I looked everywhere on the interwebs <laughs> trying to find that, so I'm glad you did. Uh, TV tropes. Oh, okay. Well, that was an unexpected place to find that, but that's good to know. All right, Malachi what? Malachi 3. Malachi 3, okay. Because I knew it had to say something. I mean, the robes are covered in it. They even have a Kryptonese on their faces. And I just, you know, if I had time and I had good screen caps of that, I would, I would do that nerdy thing and going through there and trying to decipher it, but I could never get a good shot of it. Okay, that answers that question. Thank you so much. Um, speaking of which, we have a few minutes left. Does anybody have any questions? Any thoughts about any of the Kryptonian stuff that we see on Supergirl? No? I was just going to say um, to Michael that uh, you were talking about, you know, social media stuff with Krypton, and I, they actually had this thing on the Krypton website. I think it's still up, but uh, you can make a... Krypton, uh, Krypton avatar, and you can like pick what house you're in, and like, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember that, but it seemed to like go away really quick. Oh, is it not up anymore? Yeah, I'm sure I, it's I still there, it. but oh. in terms of people using it, it seemed to disappear rather quickly. Oh, okay. I, I went to sci-fi.com on the the Krypton website the other day, and they did have a thing where you can create your own Kryptonian, I guess your own. Yeah, hero that's what or it something. is. That's what it is. And yeah. it's kind of fun. You get to you know pick your face and your skin color and your accessories and. I've, I created some weirdo-looking thing where she, she had glasses on. I was like, why is she wearing glasses? What does she need glasses? I guess maybe her eyesight had gone bad. Um, but, Kryptonian uh, hipsters. <laughs> they did look like hipster glasses on a Kryptonian. But you could pick your own, your own sigil, your own glyph and everything. I so, was rocketing my children away before anybody else was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they do have some cool stuff. Supergirl doesn't have as much... Fun stuff like that. I am, Sci-fi's done a good job. With I'm it. kind of upset that the, the the girl with the Supergirl costume left because she had a pretty dead-on uh, TV costume. I'm, I'm surprised that outside of just the T-shirts, that it hasn't gotten as much merch. Uh, you know, because you always see like the Star Labs T-shirts. You see the 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 thing that makes me laugh the most because I want it is uh, the Big Belly Burger stuff. Oh yeah, and that's now all associated with Arrow. But Big Belly Burger was the fast food franchise in the Superman books in the late 80s and early 90s. 
if you worked there, your apron had a giant belly on it. Uh, and now I want those, but it's just, it bothers me that I have to order it under an arrow thing because yeah. I'm like, no, it's not arrow. Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> Y'all are ruining my fun. There, there was a cosplayer yesterday. She was like spot on Supergirl TV show. Like she even had the right curls. And I thought that was the actual actress. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is weird. I have a friend who's Supergirl, uh, who does cosplay as Supergirl. And it's, it's even weird the way her, her cape goes across her shoulders in the back and just walking behind her. I was like, you look like Supergirl walking on the show. It's weirding me out. Uh, but yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff, even talking about her costume and the way they've incorporated that, that and uh, they've, I think, improved on it uh, over the years in terms of the way Supergirl looks. And it was kind of neat, actually, in Supergirl season three, she wears the Supergirl costume to Argo City, mm-hmm. and that's part of her Kryptonian culture, like revisiting all of that. Yeah, it was the, fir- the first picture that they showed of her. I'm like, they nailed it. They got it right, you know. It's uh, I was I was a little worried because usually with these shows, like Barry's costume, he's like now in version fifteen point five or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Whereas with her, they've pretty much kept that same design for the three seasons, and it's and to me, it's just like that's because with Superman, once you have it, you don't really need to change it. It's I mean, pretty cool the way it is already, so you don't have to make it gussy it up or. Can you improve upon perfection? Yeah. is the question. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just, uh, on that note, like, um, th- th- there's this big discussion going around, and uh, my friends like uh, my friends and I like to go back and forth on it. But if Super, uh, do you think Supergirl could like make it onto DC, or, or should she at least? And who would you like like to see her play? You mean in the movies? Yeah, in the movies. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, I'm I'm not good at casting people. Mm-hmm. I leave that up to the experts. They've done a pretty good job so far. But yeah, I think it's really easy for them to incorporate her into that. They had a prequel comic before mm-hmm. Man of, yep, Man of yep. Steel came out where she was one of the people in the pod yep. in the movie, uh, the open pod that they show. So, yeah, you could easily put her in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I'd love to see her, but but here's, here's my only caveat is you know, we got Man of Steel which was a straight-up Superman film and the other two times we've seen him in the cinematic universe, he's had to share the movie with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I would feel like if you if they like okay in the next we're going to do a Superman film but in, in it we're going to introduce Supergirl once again you're like well it's not really his film it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it but it either needs to be its own thing or like a movie or two down the line okay. um, yeah. you know there was a, a show on Disney a couple years ago called Good Luck Charlie and the lead on that I think would uh, have made a really good Supergirl uh but it would be probably more of a... I don't know if it would be a good DCU Supergirl, mm-hmm. but I think she would have been good in the role. I'm bad at casting. I, I, don't, I, I don't know who I don't like to fan cast. Uh, the, the, yeah, the dream casting right now for me would be Chloe Grace Moretz just because she played a girl and she's been like my, my movie crush. Since, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I could rock that, yeah. I could see it. Well, I, just, I was going to say with the, uh, the Snyder version, the DCU, I'd almost be afraid to put Supergirl into that because she's so bright and cheery. Yeah. She's so optimistic. And those movies have all been really down. Well, and I think that's the the perfect combination, though, because in the comics, in the way I look at it, Superman is always the more uh, serious, serious, the more you know, dedicated to this being his job. He's got to do the right thing. He needs to, you know, he needs to really pay attention to what's going on. And Supergirl's the one over there, kind of goofing off and Let's being. Have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that would actually be a really neat. Uh, combination to see well, well of course she is she yeah. comes to our planet and the first thing he does is stick her in an orphanage yeah he does that he, in the comics and then he makes her like be a secret for a year and then she come, she has her big coming out party and everyone I recently reread it because they released it in that action comics hardcover that they released when 1000 came out and you have this entire page of the world reacting to Supergirl being revealed and one Hollywood actress is like, she's prettier than me. I don't like her. <laughs> and you have these two convicts going, I'm not going to escape now. If she captures me, all the guys are going to give me a hard time because I was caught by a girl. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, 50s. <laughs> you so funny. <laughs> yeah, things have changed, uh, hopefully for the better. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting idea. Um, well, before we wrap up, uh, we have some giveaways that we're going to give you all some prizes. If, uh, but we have some questions that I want to see if anybody can answer to win the prize. So we're going to ask the question. First hands up. Right answer wins. 
Uh, so we're gonna do a Supergirl giveaway and a Krypton giveaway. So uh, this, this might be a hard question, but uh, if you listened to the panel today, we might have mentioned this character, so you might be able to answer it even if you don't remember the name. Um, so the question is, the car found that Argo City still existed and that people from her past were alive. What was the name of her childhood best friend? All right. Dara. That is correct. So uh, which one is that? I think that's the Supergirl one. All right. Yeah. So this goes to you, my friend. Thank you, Rebecca. All right. That's got some super stuff in there. All right. So the Krypton one uh, is, uh, so the blood of which two Kryptonian houses would open the prison that held Doomsday? You've already won one. So does anybody else know it? Back in the back. L and Zod. Very good. Correct answer. So this is your prize. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I think uh, we have to call it. It's the time. But uh, thank you guys for coming and talking about uh, Superman and Supergirl and Krypton and the Supergirl TV series on the CW. And I hope you continue to enjoy the shows because they've been very good. So thanks for coming out. Yeah.